0: imagine a scenario where you're in the mood for a true crime podcast. You take out your headphones and press play on the first recommendation. You're excited to delve into an eerie and chilling case. Is someone missing? Is there a conspiracy about to be uncovered? As you listen to the beginning, you're met with a startling surprise. The podcast sucks. And now imagine that you're listening to a different podcast, one that exceeds your expectations. The storytelling is well done. The details are thoroughly researched. The music is chilling and unsettling. And then there's the best part. You get to listen to my deep and creepy voice. When you listen to Still Unsolved, you get to join us as we bring the true crime genre back to its roots. Every week, we highlight different cases of missing persons wanted felons, unsolved murders, and the truly bizarre occurrences of life. Subscribe to Still Unsolved, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, and join us. With your help, some of these cases may no longer be an unsolved mystery.
1: You're listening to True Crime Feed. Welcome to True Crime Feed. I'm your host, Angela Ferrari. Reviewing the best true crime podcasts from the past decade with a teensy bit of humor, plus my top three true crime picks of the week. Up first on the docket, here's a show from the archives I think you will really enjoy. Let's discuss the case for Verified Season 2, Dust Up. Here's a synopsis from the show page. Host Natasha Del Toro and the Verified team investigate whether a group of women developed ovarian cancer from dusting their bodies with Johnson & Johnson's baby powder, an iconic brand associated with innocence and comfort since the 1800s. One woman's mysterious illness snowballs into thousands of court cases, claiming that baby powder is to blame for their cancer. It's the story of a trusted brand's fight to convince consumers and regulators that baby powder is safe while minimizing the work of the scientists who claim it's not. And to take your listening experience to the next level, go to the truecrimefeed.com and sign up for my newsletter where I curate visual aids to accompany the show. This week I've tracked down some vintage baby powder ads that let's just say don't hold up so good after you hear this story. All right, verified dust up. Man, I've consumed a lot of true crime content. This one is up there with one of the most disturbing cases I've encountered. And this series dropped in the fall of 2020. And as you might remember, it was kind of a weird time. So maybe it was the moment or the deep connection I felt to the people or the magnitude of this story. It all hit me so hard. But it's a story that's really important, so I'm gonna try to keep the coverage as light as possible. But just a warning, if you do decide to listen to the full series, and I highly recommend that you do, just know it's a heavy one. That being said, you will be also treated with moments of beautiful victory. The series is outstanding from start to finish, probably in my all-time top 10. I am just a little worried, though, that telling you about this will make you distrust big corporate medical and pharmaceutical companies, and that's not my intent. In fact, one of my sponsors today is an exciting emerging medical startup called TrueCry Phenos Labs, which is definitely a real company and not one that I made up for the purposes of injecting a few respites of humor to break up a heinous demoralizing saga. So look forward to hearing about some exciting new products from TrueCry Phenos Labs soon. For now, let's get into the investigation. We're talking about talcum powder, also known as baby powder, which traditionally has been made with the mineral talc. Talc is one of the softest minerals in the world. It's mined on nearly every continent and used in many applications, everything from polishing rice to coating surfaces. Most commonly, it's used in cosmetics and personal care products. For years, the most popular player in the talcum powder game was Johnson & Johnson. Brothers Robert Wood Johnson, James Wood Johnson, and Edward Mead Johnson launched the company in 1886. They started out making emergency first-aid kits to service railroad workers who were getting injured on the job and far away from any medical facility. With the Johnson & Johnson first-aid kit, they had access to bandages and medicated plaster for wound care. The problem was a lot of the bandages and plaster irritated the skin, so they developed a powder made with talc to help with rashes. It worked great and a lot of the mothers started getting on board using the talc to soothe diaper rashes on their babies. And soon women became the fastest growing consumer sector. Later on, Johnson & Johnson developed more products in the baby care space, starting in the 20s with baby cream, then baby oil, and eventually the no-tears baby shampoo. Even though J&J would eventually go on to become a behemoth, branching out into manufacturing tons of consumer goods across the board, like Tylenol, Listerine, and even fun medical devices like artificial hips and vaginal mesh implants. The overall brand is still thought of by many as the trusted baby company. Then in 1982... 7 people in the Chicago area died after taking extra strength Tylenol that had been laced with cyanide. There were many suspects and even an entire podcast series called The Tylenol Murders. <clears throat> Waste of your time. To this day those 7 murders have yet to be solved, but Johnson and Johnson responded in a big way. Out of an abundance of caution, they took all of the Tylenol off the shelf nationwide immediately. Then they implemented three new packaging safety protocols to help ensure customers that their Tylenol and any other over-the-counter medication would be tamper-proof. The company took a huge hit, but they navigated the storm and came out on the other side with a glowing reputation. This recall and retooling of their products made customers even more loyal to the trusted baby company. But J&J had a big problem hiding in one of their most cherished and popular products, a dirty little secret in their talcum baby powder. But before we get to that, a quick word from our totally real sponsor, True Cryphinos Labs. Do you find yourself lacking rhythm on the dance floor? Do you have a hard time selecting a song to set the mood right and then panic default to Kenny G? Are you so off key when you sing in the shower that neighbors call 911 out of concern? Then you may be suffering from a very serious chronic condition called music halidosis. But there's hope. A once daily treatment of Beat Tonapex may reduce your symptoms of music halidosis become one with the beat find your pitch discern between sweet licks and trash tracks after just one month of daily use you'll be belting out notes better than luther vandross and getting requests to dj at bar mitzvahs stop taking betona immediately if you begin sprouting unwanted chest hair Or feel a compulsion to wear deep V-neck shirts that plunge to your navel. Ask your doctor today about once daily B-Tonapex and start living in perfect rhythm and harmony. And now, back to the program. All right, like I mentioned earlier, J&J had a problem hiding in their talcum powder. As far back as the 1970s, labs were searching for the answer to the question, does talc contain asbestos? The findings depended on what scientists you asked and who was funding their lab. So I don't want to go into full nerd alert territory on you. You can get into the nitty gritty scientific deets when you deep dive the series. But essentially, there are two common ways to test for asbestos in talc. You can test an entire lot a little bit at a time, taking small samples and viewing them under electron microscopes. Or you can run the entire lot of talc on a conveyor belt through an x-ray. The microscope test is obviously much more sensitive than the x-ray test. But guess which method the cosmetic and personal care product industry prefers? Yeah, you guessed right, the x-ray machines. Which can easily allow a little bit of asbestos to slip by. If it were any other mineral, it might not be such a big deal, But unlike substances like arsenic or cyanide that can be tolerated in very small amounts, the consensus is there is no safe level of exposure to asbestos. Even a minuscule amount can be harmful and dangerous. Kind of scary, right? But don't worry, you guys, because we have the FDA to protect us. Thank goodness. But, oh, the FDA doesn't approve or regulate personal care products or cosmetics. So even though the FDA receives thousands of reports annually of adverse reactions to various health and beauty products, they can only make recommendations to the manufacturers. These companies can voluntarily keep their own records if they wish and recall products if the FDA recommends it, but it's entirely up to the companies. For example, a cosmetics company called Claire's sold these little adorable makeup compacts in the shape of a butterfly for kids, and an independent lab found that hundreds of these kits across the US contained asbestos. But Claire's refused to recall these tainted makeup kits for children until they were basically forced after facing scathing press and consumer outrage. I know, I know, I know. But before you start losing all faith in humanity, it's time to meet Dean Berg. Dean is a physician's assistant living with her husband in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And she's got that heartwarming accent to match. At 49 years old, Dean starts spotting in between her periods. She figures she must just be menopausal but decides to schedule a checkup just to be sure. And that's when Dean discovered she had advanced-staged ovarian cancer. Being in the medical field, she was aware of her prognosis, and it wasn't good. Her stage 3 ovarian cancer had about a 40% survival rate. So Dean starts on her treatment plan and prepares herself for the possible end of her life. Dean undergoes a hysterectomy and also describes her grueling, painful chemo treatments plus on top of that she's out of work while she's fighting her illness so dean and her husband they're struggling financially she can't understand why this happened to her she scours through literature and support groups looking for answers and when she runs down the list of risk factors none of them seem to apply to her before all this her health was in tip-top shape she had no family history didn't smoke or drink then she discovers another possible answer talc exposure to intimate areas. A light bulb goes off for Dean. She's been using talcum powder in her groin area to prevent chafing since she was like 16 years old. This has been part of her daily routine for over 30 years now. So how is it now the first time she's hearing about a possible link to cancer? Dean closely examines her bottle of talcum baby powder. There's no warning label and no messaging about a potential cancer risk from Johnson & Johnson. But she's stumbling upon a lot of other mentions of talc use being a possible cause of cancer, dating as far back as an old pamphlet created by the late great comedian Gilda Radner. Dean is appalled. She starts sharing her story on blogs and message boards about her daily use of talcum powder and her suspicions that it caused her ovarian cancer. That's when Dean gets contacted by a lawyer from across the country named Alan Smith. Alan is a true southerner based in Gulfport, Mississippi. He cut his teeth doing litigation on behalf of factory workers who ingested silica dust while on the floor sandblasting and as a result contracted cancer. So this was the line of work Alan was really passionate about. He was looking for his next case And he just got a tip to be on the lookout for possible claims against the cosmetic industry who have used talc in their products. Alan Smith's father has done some R&D in the industry. His company was being contracted to develop a safe alternative to talc because the cosmetics industry was worried the government was going to start regulating the mineral because it may contain asbestos. So after spending a whole lot of time and money, Alan Smith's father's company created a suitable alternative. But poof, just like that, the cosmetic company said it was no longer an issue. The matter had been taken care of, and they weren't anticipating any changes or regulations in the near future. Okie dokie. So Papa Smith passed this intel on to his son, Lawyer Alan, and suggested he do some further digging. And that's what Allen did. He found lots of reports that for decades, women had suspicions that talc use may have contributed to their cancer. However, he saw no legal cases against the manufacturers who used talc in their cosmetics and personal care products. While he was scouring the interwebs for information, he came across Dean Berg and her story. Dean wasn't sure what to think of Alan at first. Was this lawyer just an ambulance chaser looking for a get-rich-quick payout? If so, that wasn't something Dean wanted to sign up for. But after learning more about Alan and his background advocating for other cancer survivors and making real meaningful changes to industry, Dean decided to go to battle with Alan. They gathered supporting evidence, Dean had her tissue samples from her ovaries sent to a lab and discovered, yes, they were positive for talc. This proved a direct link of powder use to her cancer. And then Alan discovered that J&J has also been aware of a potential problem for quite some time. This included an internal memo dating back to 1997 between a J&J consultant to a member of their toxicology team. The correspondence begins with an adage, a true friend is not he who beguiles with flattery, but instead points out your mistakes before your enemies discover them. Then the dude goes on to mention his safety concerns about talc. At this point, it's been about three years since they first connected. Alan and Dean have everything they need to make their case against Johnson and Johnson in civil court. But of course, this is going to be a challenge of epic proportions. Dean and Alan first meet with Johnson & Johnson for a pretrial mediation. J&J offers Dean $800,000 to settle. Dean needs some time to think about that. So she takes a walk around the block with her husband, thinking about the fact that she's just been offered a life-changing amount of money. Dean's been out of work, accruing medical bills. With this cash, they could pay off their house and other debts, maybe even travel together, leave all this mess behind. Dean walks back in. Before she gives an answer, J&J offers her $1.3 million now to settle. Wow, that would be enough to last her the rest of her life. Dean thinks for another moment and asks if J&J will add a warning label to the bottle. They answer no. She asks if they will take all the products containing talc off the market. Again, the answer was no. So Dean says, I'll see you in court. Yeah, dude, she walked away from $1.3 million. I'd like to think I could be that kind of person who would do the same, but if I'm being honest... I'd probably take the money, and I think a lot of people would. So Dean is nothing short of heroic in my eyes. Lawyer Alan Smith is getting worried. He doesn't get paid unless Dean gets paid, and the funds are drying up. Alan is actually $250,000 in the hole at this point. He tried recruiting others to join, including close colleagues who had successfully litigated against Big Tobacco, but no one else wanted to fight this battle against Johnson & Johnson. The risks were way too high. So lawyer Alan Smith and a single paralegal loaded all of their files into an old suburban and drove 20 hours from Mississippi to South Dakota. He drove because he didn't have the funds to ship his documents. Then Alan finally arrives to court He's technically not allowed to practice in the state of South Dakota, so he teams up with a local Sioux Falls attorney. So picture this. On one side, the courtroom is empty besides Dean and her three-person legal team. Her husband isn't even allowed to join her in the courtroom in case he is called to testify as a witness. J&J, on the other hand, has six lawyers in their bench, plus rows behind them filled with more lawyers, experts, and paralegals to back them up. Then the trial starts. One thing I really appreciated about the Verified series is how well they depict the emotional toll litigation can be on the everyday citizen. Dean was normally a very private person and here she was in a room full of people scrutinizing fine details of her reproductive anatomy, looking at blown up photographs of her tumors. She could barely calm her nerves when it came to testifying. But Dean took the stand and shared with a group of strangers details of her intimate routine, use of Johnson & Johnson baby powder, her battle with cancer, getting a hysterectomy, and undergoing chemo. Then Allen presented his findings to the jury, including those devastating internal memos. But perhaps the most scathing evidence was a medical safety data sheet from the talc manufacturer, warning workers who handle the talc, the protocols necessary to avoid exposure. So why is it not safe for workers to handle, but safe for consumers? Then the case goes to a jury. They deliberate a day and a half, which is quite a long time for a civil case. Apparently, there was quite a bit of confusion for the jurors the way the verbiage was written. They found in favor of J&J when it came to strict liability, but also found J&J to be negligent for not putting warning labels on their products. So in turn, the jury sided with Dean saying that she proved, yes, Johnson & Johnson's talcum powder was a contributing factor to her cancer. It was a legal victory. Dean won. But like I said, the jury was confused, and they thought since they ruled in favor of J&J in terms of strict liability, that they were not allowed to award any financial compensation to Dean. So the judgment against J&J was zero dollars. It didn't matter to Dean, though. In her mind, she got everything she wanted. A jury of her peers believed her, and now her story was out in the world. As for Alan, his fight was just beginning. But before we hear more, we have another quick word from our sponsor, True Cry Finos Labs. Do you find yourself questioning why it seems the heads of nearly every major institution are able to operate with impunity? Wonder why the average citizen will get punished to the full extent of the law, while those at the top can commit major crimes against humanity, face no jail time, and instead accumulate more wealth and power? You may think this is a normal reaction to the times, but it's not. You are most likely experiencing a harmful bacterial overgrowth called Skepticholococcus. Lucky for you, there's a solution. Disregard All from TrueCryfino's Labs is the only approved treatment for Skepticholococcus. Conveniently available in liquid gel caps, topical creams, or suppositories. Stop taking Disregard All if you experience involuntary winking, glow-in-the-dark tongue, or an erection that lasts longer than the movie Avatar. Put a stop once and for all to the harmful effects of Skepticholococcus. Ask your healthcare provider about Disregard All. Then don't ask another question again. Now back to our regular scheduled program. Lawyer Alan Smith found his next hero to fight alongside him, Jacqueline Fox, or Jackie, although Jackie won't live to see the end of this battle. Jackie lived in Birmingham, Alabama, and she had a hard life. At age 16, she became pregnant with her son, Marvin. She worked her tail off going to night school and did her best to make a good life for her and her son. Marvin talked about his childhood in the South. They were poor, and it was hot. They didn't have an AC. So to combat the sweat, Jackie would freshen little Marvin up with baby powder, then douse herself with J&J's new product, Shower to Shower. Johnson & Johnson launched this product after they started to notice declining sales of baby powder in the 90s. Probably because there was a nasty little rumor floating around out there that it caused cancer. But instead of reformulating their products, they simply start exploring new markets and, quote, ethnic opportunities. Campaigns targeting Black, Latina, and women from poor socioeconomic backgrounds. There was even talk of creating specific ad campaigns aimed at curvy Black women in the South possibly teaming up with Patti LaBelle and Aretha Franklin to pitch their new shower-to-shower powder. After all, a sprinkle a day keeps the odor away. Jackie Fox used talcum baby powder and then the shower-to-shower product, which also contained talc, daily for nearly 40 years. There were even pre-trial recordings of Jackie singing the jingles from the commercials that she knew by heart. This whole series was gut-wrenching, but it was Jackie's voice that really, really did me in. Ugh, this woman just sounded so beautiful. You hear her singing happy birthday to her son Marvin, talking about cherished moments in her life, proud mama watching her son join the military and grow up to get married and have kids of his own. She also describes the day she found out something was very wrong. Her dog Dexter was acting weird. Sniffing her body and whimpering. And even though she felt perfectly fine, Jackie had a hunch that there was something wrong inside her body. So she gets checked out. Dexter the dog was right. Jackie Fox had cancer. She undergoes a hysterectomy and chemo, then calls her son Marvin to share the good news. Her cancer was in remission. Jackie also told Marvin she connected with a lawyer and thinks that she has a good case against Johnson & Johnson. We see a similar civil trial unfold with Alan Smith representing Jackie. The jury finds Johnson & Johnson negligible this time, and they want J&J to pay out $72 million in damages, citing they were part of a conspiracy to hide information. This amount exceeded the maximum, so it had to be reduced... But before J&J pays out a single dollar, they successfully appealed the decision, citing that the case should have never been tried in that jurisdiction in the first place. So the case needs to be retried. But before that could happen, Jackie's cancer came back and tragically she perished. But their efforts were not in vain. This case gets national coverage, and by 2017, 6,000 plaintiffs are in lawsuits against companies that put talc in their products. Marvin testifies on behalf of his late mother, Jackie Fox, in front of Congress, demanding that they implement regulations. Then in a weird twist, Johnson & Johnson CEO Alan Gorski goes on Jim Cramer's mad money to do damage control. Gorski does his best to assure consumers that J&J's talcum powder contains zero asbestos and that the company never had concrete data or knowledge that their products tested positive for asbestos. Those words would come back to bite him in his powdered ass. Media outlets run stories detailing a long history of independent labs finding asbestos in J&J products including the FDA's own lab. J&J continues to deny these claims, citing lab contamination. They even claim lab contamination from a former scientist and laboratory they used previously in their own defense. Finally, the bad press took its toll, and in 2020, Johnson & Johnson changed their formulation from talc to cornstarch in their products. After all that, those first inklings dating back to the 1970s that there might be some problems with their talcum powder, it took them 50 years to change the formula. But don't worry, you guys, you can still get original recipe baby powder and shower to shower containing talc because they never took the old stuff off the shelves. And you know that baby powder at the bodega is at least five years old. Oh, and also, Johnson & Johnson is still selling their original talc-based formula in new, exciting, emerging markets like India and the Philippines. Verified concludes their dust-up series with the quote, If we can't even trust the baby powder company, who can we trust? And now I am officially dead inside. I wonder if TrueCryfinos Labs makes a pill for that. Ugh, hey there. How you holding up? Does it help to know that Alan Gorski stepped down in 2022 and I'm sure received a nice severance package? Yeah, I'm not comforted by that either. As of this recording, October 2023, a headline in Fortune magazine that Johnson & Johnson is currently facing 50,000-plus separate lawsuits linking baby powder to cancer, and the company is considering filing a third bankruptcy. That makes me feel better and worse at the same time. What do we do here, you guys? What's that? Jail time? Did I hear someone say jail time? I'm more likely to win a Peabody Award than to ever see that happen. But the suggestion box is open. You can tell me your thoughts about this episode. Email me directly at Angela at the truecrimefeed.com or join the True Crime Feed Facebook discussion group. Keep an open mind and be kind to fellow True Crime Feed friends. Stay tuned till after the break to hear my top three podcast power ranking of the week. (sighs) Ah, Hey, you. I'm so glad we found each other and get to share our special love for true crime podcasts. I don't ever want you to miss out on a wild story. That would be a crime in itself. So be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast app and share your favorite episode with a friend so the next time you see each other, you can splurge about your latest true crime obsession. Thanks for spreading the word. And now back to the show. And we're back. Before we start the ranking, I know, I know, I hear you. A lot of you aren't digging the dream season three the same way I am, so I'll keep that one in my private stash and give you some new shows to stick in your pipe. With the caveat that it's been a hard week and I was looking for some comfort listens, content that wasn't too depressing or heavy. So with that being said, here are the three shows currently trending that I think are worth a listen. I present to you this week's podcast power ranking. at the number three spot we have the wedding scammer here's a synopsis from the show page have you ever been scammed in the ringer's first true crime podcast host justin sales tracks a mysterious figure who once wronged him a man with a lot of aliases a lot of failed businesses and a trail of victims justin follows him through a sham media company a series of ruined weddings and beyond, trying to find answers. The police can't offer any help, but maybe he can. All right, I am on episode two of this one, and it feels like a tasty installment of the People's Court. The stakes aren't too high, but I'm still invested in the people who got scammed and ready to see some resolution. Looking forward to more dirt digging from the Wedding Scammer at the number two spot we have magnificent jerk here's a rundown from the show page on the last day of her grandmother's life journalist maya lynn sugarman finds a box of forgotten screenplays that sets her on a journey to uncover the truth about their author her late uncle galen she discovers that he was the leader of a chinese gang and he went to jail and in a final twist that he poured his life story into a screenplay that was turned into a 90s Hollywood action movie, starring Rob Lowe, Burt Reynolds, and Ice T. I am loving this one. This story is both comforting and illuminating. A world I know very little about, and I thought that Galen's early years in the Chinese gang was going to be the only crime part of the story, but the glimpse into the world of Hollywood feels even more reprehensible. It's not a perfect show, but it is very unique, well-produced, and dare I say touching. I still have two more episodes to go, but I'm very much enjoying this journey with Magnificent Jerk. And at the number one spot, we have Ghost Story. Here's a summary from the show page. Host Tristan Redman is a seasoned journalist who doesn't believe in ghosts, but weird things happened in the bedroom he lived in as a teenager. When he discovers that years later, subsequent occupants of the same house have been visited by a ghost of a faceless woman. He's curious. Because it just so happens that Tristan's childhood home is right next door to where his wife's great-grandmother, Naomi Dancy, was murdered in 1937. Killed by two gunshots to the face. Could there be a connection between the ghost and the murder? Tristan decides to investigate and soon finds himself going where no son-in-law should go, deep into his wife's family history, asking questions no one wants answered. I was a little worried going into this one because number one, ghosts scare me, and number two, shows from Wondery can feel super hit or miss, but this does not feel anything like a Wondery show. This feels like a fun, time-jump Sherlock Holmes British Noir. And huge bonus, that super foxy actor, Hugh Dancy, is directly connected to this case and he lends his acting talents and voice to help recreate the statements given to police by a potential murder suspect. Even though this crime occurred in 1937, the stakes feel super high for this family. I can't wait for you all to hear this one, so snuggle in for Ghost Story. Now for my Miss of the Week. We have the estate. Here's a rundown from the show page. When a parent dies, they always leave something behind to their kids. For Alex Estrada, it was a burning question. Was his father involved in the 1973 murder of one of his business partners? The Estate is a true crime documentary podcast series following Alex's search for the truth, a murder mystery, political conspiracy, and family memoir touching on race, the justice system, and a pain that moves from one generation to the next. Alrighty, unlike my number one pick, Ghost Story, I think host Alex Estrada being so close to this case really hurt the show, Because boy, does this one fizzle out hard. I really enjoyed the first few episodes, but then it was feeling like major straw grasping. And like a straw, this show ended up sucking. Yes, yes, that was a reach. But dude, not even close to the reaches Estrada is trying to make in the estate. So unfortunately, it's going down my podcast queue trapdoor. Find out next week if Ghost Story will remain in the number one spot as the series continues or if a new show will swoop in and take its place. Let me know what trending shows are in your top three and which show fell through your podcast queue, Trap Door. I'll meet you back here next week to dust off another superb true crime show from the archive for your next feeding fix. for today's true crime feed don't forget to sign up for my weekly newsletter where i post links to my top three favorite shows of the week and bring you fabulous visual aids for every episode be sure to follow the show on instagram twitter and facebook to join the conversation If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and tell your fellow partners in crime to tune in to True Crime Feed. Thanks for riding along and allowing me to be your audio accomplice. Join me next week for another feeding.